0: You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you again for another episode on 24. We are in season two, episode seven, two pm to three p.m. This was written by Virgil Williams and directed by James Whitmore Jr. Special shout out to James Whitmore Senior. Because I believe he exists. Um after the Crap! That was last week. We have an interesting episode this week, and I'm actually very excited to talk about it. My name is Ben, and you look beautiful.
1: Thank you. Uh, and my name is Colin, and I'll behave. I
0: promise. That was my. I was gonna go for that one. That was my backup. I'm not a very quotable episode. This one, but. Um, Gotta say, I enjoyed this episode. <laughs> I actually I only watched this like an hour or so ago, and um, catches it off
1: guard, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> it does. I'm thinking like, oh god, here we go again. But I think what works about this episode is it, it's beautifully crafted, and tense. and like even when you know what's happening, and even the whole episode, I'm going, oh, there's some big plot holes here. Oh, this makes no sense. But I'm like, ah, oh, this is really good. You know what it is, Colin. Kim doesn't show up to the last 7 minutes of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what works about this week. But um no, I really enjoyed this week's episode.
1: You know, I'll pinpoint some things as we go along here where nothing big is happening. It's it's a lot of stalling still, but the subtlest things, they change and they make things work that didn't work in all these past episodes where they just went balls to the walls. Here they're 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 keeping their balls close and tight and <laughs> Snug. <laughs> so, Ooh. lesson learned keep your balls close and tight and snug, and you might get a decent episode of season two of 24.
0: And just a special shout out to Noah. We mentioned snug floor. <laughs> I think you have to do it. um Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I think one thing that I get just is frustrated to me is that, yeah, they've slowed it down a lot. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also thinking there's a nuclear bomb out there. Everyone's still so <laughs> chill. Like we're meeting up with our long lost son. We're just like having casual conversations in the OC without Ryan and Marissa. But, you know, just having a four-way convo between ex-wives and chief of staffs. How you doing? What's up with the kids? Great. Awesome. You know, oh, by the way, nuclear bomb. Oh, yes, better get on to that. Um, Armus is back through word of mouth, which, which is good. He's been a busy bee. And then we get the Kim scene, which I think we just get over and done with, right? Like, um, Oh, yeah. Literally marked at 53 minutes past the hour, we've got Kim. Although, if you're paying attention, you do get a couple of cutaways of Kim in the car with fuckface as they're driving around, just um, chilling. I don't think they're talking too much in this uh, drive, uh, Miguel and Kim. It's Miguel, right? I've got his name already. Yeah. about this guy. Um, so, all of a sudden, they're just driving and, oh no, they're getting pulled over by old Johnny Law. Here he is, lucky they're white. Uh, Otherwise they might be in trouble. Um, And it's all like, oh, remain calm. Calm? We're in a stolen car. Thanks for the juxtaposition there, Kim. Always appreciate you there to remind the audience what you're up to. Um, But uh, Mr. Johnny Old lately here, you are speeding. Show me your licence and registration. Now, okay, got to ask this. It's, a, it's not just an American thing. It's a It's a Canadian thing too, I believe. This whole license and registration. Do you legally have to drive around with your registration in your glove compartment, yeah. right? Okay. The reason I ask that and I, I get confused with because until maybe only a few years ago in Australia, we had stickers on our cars. It's our registration to prove that your car was registered. You don't do that anymore because I believe everything is all automatic with your number plate, your license plate, right? Um, and one of the most confusing things for me, and I don't know if you do it in Manitoba, is when you get your car when you buy a car you have to like go to the the Canadian DMV to get a number plate to then put on your car and then like do you do that in Manitoba as well like this is such a weird thing that you yeah. like you change your number plate when you buy a car so, like if i buy a car i've got to like oh, I can't drive it down to the lot because I don't have registration and the person who's (laughs) selling the car has to come with me to say I'm selling the car, take that off, here's a temporary one and then you've got to go get insurance. Like, it was this whole big thing where I'm like, in Australia, you buy a car, here's your car, number plate stays the same. You just fill in a form, take that down to your DMV on Monday to say that you've transferred the registration, all will be fine. And you legally don't have to have insurance because you're covered for a certain amount of insurance. It's recommended you get insurance on top of that. So it's like odd. But I just wanted to point that out with this registration and the glove boxing, which to me as an Australian is still a confusing concept.
1: So so the most frustrating situation we have with that, usually you do have it where they'll, they'll shuttle you down there to get everything done. Um, for whatever reason, when we got our current vehicle, we had the old Honda Fit that fit about two and a half people. That's you rode in it. <laughs> yeah.
0: The green one, whatever color you said it was.
1: Blue, blue. <laughs> uh, but we had that and then we were pregnant with twins. So we knew we're going to need a bigger vehicle. I don't think the twins will fit in the Honda Fit, let alone us with the twins. So we we had to get a new van and everything was very rushed uh, before the twins came We moved into a new house. We had to get the new vehicle. We ended up finding one. The only day we could pick it up was a Saturday because we were both still working. We had Casper with us because we're living on the other side of the city and we had nobody to watch him. And we had a dealership that was, um, I don't know, a half a kilometer, like a kilometer to a half a kilometer away. Like usually they'll have places that are two blocks away. They just build them that way. This one wasn't. And it was a Saturday. They said, Oh, unfortunately we don't have anybody who can take you down there. So we had to take our car down there, or I basically dropped Jamie off with our old car. We took everything out of the car. She stood in the parking lot, eight months pregnant with Casper. Uh, I walked to the dealership carrying the stuff that she didn't want to keep with her in the parking lot, like a car seat (laughs) and all the other stuff walked down to the dealership, got the new vehicle, had to go back and pick her up. It was a huge ordeal all because we had the one dealership that didn't have any type of insurance place around the corner.
0: Like I, it just confused me. I simply, when we got our first car, when I was there, we bought it off a guy. And then, so like we had to then drive down to the uh, service BC or whatever the hell it's called in, in BC. And then it was like, we had to go in and then like, they were all going on and we had to back and forth, back and forth. I think he lied and said, we were buying it for like 50 bucks, just so like it saved us on some sort of transfer fee. I can't even fucking remember. And then basically they were trying to sell us insurance and we're like, well, do we have to buy yours? Okay, no, let's give you a day thing. Then I think we went to Walmart because you've got those weird little insurance booths in Walmart got it there. But then when we got our next car, because it was at a dealership, it's like, oh, go into that office. It's the insurance place. They can give you your number plate. Like It's just like, what the fuck is wrong? Can't I just buy a car? (laughs) (laughs) The honor system,
1: it doesn't exist in Canada. We're not honorable (laughs)
0: people. Anyway, the point of that rant is (laughs) we've gone on longer than Kim Singh. This whole bit where it's like license and registration. Like this just is is confusing because this brings that situation when the car's registered to Gary, but it's all like, oh, like it's my boss's car. Like you wouldn't have that in Australia. Like you just show me your license. You know, okay, cool, sweet. Off you go. Have some more alcohol. Um, So anyway, (laughs) he he goes back to the car. Stay calm. We're in a stolen car. He comes back. He said this is your boss's car. Yes, it is. Who's the little girl? Oh, I'm her au pair. You what? Uh, He's <laughs> uh, her nanny. Leave it
1: up to Kim to come up with the most pretentious description of her job. I am an au pair.
0: Um, I wasn't talking to you. Like, oh, M- a, t- a Miguel- cop.
1: <laughs> Miguel could even just say she's the nanny, but instead sounds like, she babysits her. <laughs> He's yeah, like exactly. really downplaying her job.
0: <laughs> um. So anyway, and they're like, oh, yeah, all is good. Just make sure you don't speed again, son. <laughs> Off he goes. Again, if he was black, he's on the ground getting beaten up right now. But, like, cool, he's he's, he's only Latino. So uh, he's fine, apparently, um, according to the hospital staff, the racist hospital staff. So as uh, Mr. Johnny Come Law here turns around, it all just happens to be blood dripping from the, what's going on here. Open it up. Oh, Rip Carla. She he killed her! Oh my god, Megan, stay in the car! In all seriousness, like I like it's it's just Kim. But like I remember watching this and I was like, holy fuck! Like, even I wasn't expecting it. And like, I don't give two shits about this storyline. I'm actually glad that they literally only save this to the last bit of the episode. Because imagine if they're drawing out them in the car, like, oh, what are we gonna do? I'm sure there's deleted scenes of them having talks in the car. But I weirdly think it works. <laughs> I don't care about this storyline. But I kind of like, cause even now we're watching this, I'm like, holy fuck. Like I forgot how like tense this is. like (gasps) shock, dead, dead body in the car. So I, the best we've had of Kim so far this season. And he's got like three lines.
1: (laughs) It's, uh, it's something about them saving it to the last minute that works. And it's also that it's the first thing that we haven't really been able to predict. Yeah. it, it really does make you look at Gary the entire time in an even worse light, not because he killed his wife. You know, we like that, uh, but, but it, make him, it makes him just seem so much stupider because, like, this guy has killed his wife and he decides to bring the body to the hospital and all this. Uh, my biggest problem with this, though, is that why is it leaking so much blood now about six hours after her death? Like, I don't think bodies, dead bodies work like that. Um, yeah. If they'd open it up and there was a pool of her blood in there, you know, oh, so much blood collected before he, he closed the trunk. But it just all decides start leaking now and not at the hospital or, or along the way. Is there a trail? Is this cop him over? Because I'm finding a trail of blood coming out of your tailpipe. Uh, that's completely absurd. But it's a nice twist that I don't think anybody saw coming in, even knowing this was the episode. And knowing, oh, this is where he's going to find the dead body. I was still, like you said, a little bit tense because it's played really well where this cop's just like, oh, I'm going to let you off with a warning. Now slow down, son. And then all of a sudden, dead body.
0: Which, yeah, you're right. Because like even when you see her body, it's not like there's a gaping neck wound or something like that. (laughs) Like she's just got a couple of blood marks on her head. So it's kind of like, well, where is this blood coming from? Convenient timing of blood. Um, so, there you go. But, like, this is America, let's be honest. Even if they just went to court and jail, whatever, like, they're getting away with this because, did you have justifiable cause to open my trunk, officer? (laughs) Like, did you have a warrant? Like, come on. I've watched enough of these American shows to know how these Americans work. Um, one storyline, which I'm just going to get over and done with because it's also quite quick, and it's interesting because I remember also that you mentioned this last week, and I was kind of like, oh, yeah, he comes back. But, like, I actually... I'm surprised to hear you talk about this story because it's actually not as bad as I remember. George Mason has a son. Um, So we sort of get, you know, kind of connected with the CTU stuff. But the reason I separate this is I feel it's a little bit more separate. So, you know, we'll talk about him and Michelle and what's going on in Versailles or whatever the place is shortly. But George basically rings this number and we meet a surfy hippie dude working at, um, what is this place called, like, Uh, Justin Juice or something like that. Juice and Joe. There it is. Um, He's got a little food van. Juice and Joe. um, And Mason's all like, hey, Frank, what's his name? (laughs) 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 What's his name? Uh, John. Okay, there it is. Of course it's John. John. Johnny. Oh, Johnny Mason. There he is. Um, Basically like, hey, sup, dad. I haven't heard from you in two years. That's a shame. I need to see you today. Oh, I'm busy. Uh, sorry. Bye. Like, why doesn't John, like he keeps saying just like, I'm busy. I'm busy. Why doesn't he say I'm at work? Um, (laughs) like dad, I'm at work. I knock off in like eight hours. Like again, I know it's meant to be like, Oh, I haven't seen you in a few years. Like you bastard. But you never really get this feeling that they're like so restrained that he doesn't want anything to do with him. Like, I feel like he needs to have some sort of line here where he's like, you left and walked out two years ago. And I haven't heard from you, blah, blah. He's just like, Oh, it's been two years, dad. Like, Oh, I'm busy. Like, Oh, let's catch up tomorrow. Um, so that's the only issue I have with it. But anyway, poor old Mason basically then arrests his own son to drag him back into the um, into CTU so we can see him. And I actually really like this scene. I really kind of like George breaking down here and kind of showing that it's difficult for him to be emotional about this and basically, like, oh, yeah, he's, he's a bank account. Um, it's got some money in it. Uh, if you don't want it, give it to your mum. Get out of LA. Something bad's going to happen. Get to Phoenix. Um, and then kind of his son breaks down. It's, I think he's actually a really good actor. Like He's really believable. they got this awkward hug, and then he's just like, get out of here, get out of here. Um, so I, yeah, I, I mean, look, it's not going to be a top five at the end of the moment. I, I don't know. There was just something about this scene that I was like, oh, that, that's really fucking powerful and good. I like it. Um, and also the fun little Easter egg here is that he says, in my bank account, there's $200,000. And if you remember last season, when Jack suspected George of being paid off a secret $200,000 from being a dirty agent, there's $200,000. So uh, implied that uh, George is guilty and there's a secret bank account with his $200,000 in it. So there's a fun little easter egg for you in it for that- season one fans of 24.
1: That just makes me love George more. I don't right? know why. <laughs> uh, it is kind of an unusual thing that you get a character – where they are a dirty agent and it's not like their mustache twirling villain. You know, it's just like, yeah, you know what? I took the money that, yeah, that's actually really, really good way of, uh, of, of making this a fitting George Mason moment. Mm. (laughs) Yes. I'm still a scumbag, but uh, uh, I'm a scumbag who wants to help his family. Uh, But okay. So here's my problems. First of all, the actor who plays Mason's son, no problem with them in this scene, but this guy, Eric Christian Olsen, I swear, he's one of these guys who pops up in everything, always playing the douchiest, most obnoxious, moody teenager, young 20s guy ever. Like, he is so typecast as just one of these Millennials, you want a punch in the face. <laughs> so I have such a... Every time I see this guy, I know he's on the one of the NCIS shows, which I never really watched, but you see him on the previous. I'm like, I can't watch this show because of this guy. Um, <laughs> he also played Lloyd in the, the Dumb and Dumber prequel movie.
0: Oh, uh, uh, that's where I... Okay, I've never seen it, but like... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yep. So,
1: I mean, there's there's a lot of things to hate about this guy. Mostly just he has one of those faces. Uh, but they do the same thing when they introduce him in the show. You're just like, oh, this millennial oh my god like uh i don't know he's more gen xy i guess than than millennial yeah, but mille- millennials
0: it's, weren't a thing in 2002 now Come yeah on.
1: <laughs> it's pre-millennial uh but yeah it's I, I i can't stand this guy uh but then when we get to the scene i'm like wow this is a really good scene but i still have a problem with it because it comes out of nowhere this needed to be built up uh it it just shows you know how great xander berkeley is and even how good this this douchey general Xer is that you want to punch in the face that they can pull off this scene because it is very effective but like everything else in season 2 why did this just become a thing half an hour ago? If we had had it with a moment where he first finds out and he immediately is trying to call his son you see, you don't even need to see this character just see him trying to call John and then it goes straight to voicemail. And then the next episode, it's like, hey, um, you know, can somebody track down a John Mason for me? And it's like, well, what do you need, John Mason? Tony, just do your job, as we have in every episode, Mason and Tony. Uh, just set this up a little bit. Don't just have it be spur the moment you call and say, here's $200,000, because this scene would be so much more effective if this character meant anything. And if we, we had established that George this was what was on his mind. This is what he was focused on. It doesn't even take this character being part of the show. It just takes plant the seeds before it.
0: Yeah, I see what you're saying. And I, I agree with you to a point, but I don't know. I think it kind of works. Like it kind of fits the George character that he's just kind of, got a son and he's a bit of a shit dad um and like he you're only gonna give like and this is literally the only episode you see him in you ne- i think george mate mentions him later on but like you don't see him again this is it so i kind of liked it it's just kind of like a boom here it is he's got a son he's at least caring enough to give him this money he stole they have a nice little hug and then they kind of leave. Well, I don't know. Like I just kind of, it it worked, but I see what you're saying. Like, it's so
1: dramatic that you needed something before this, if it had been a little subtler. And I like that. It's so dramatic. It's just, I want something, but what is great about this is the way that, uh, when he's a, now get out of here. (laughs) He just all of a sudden screams out of nowhere.
0: But I actually really like the way that, um, his son kind of like does that thing when he goes into hugging him. He's just like, dad, it, dad, and he like cries. And yeah. like, oh, like it's just, it's like, it's so like. It's, it's a good scene. Know. It's just, it it's, could have been a lot better. I'm seeing here that apparently um, the, there's all these connections here to other 24 members, cast members. He is one of many 24 alumni to have appeared in Pearl Harbor. Uh, alongside John Voight, Comfor, Phil, however you say his name, Ping Wu, Raphael Sparge, Tom Sizemore, Glenn Morshaw. He's, he's uh, Aaron in Pearl Harbor. He's been in Pearl Harbor in a long time. And John Piper Ferguson. Um, isn't Josh Hartnett in – is that mm-hmm. the one in Pearl Harbor? God, that's a yep. name that hasn't been mentioned since 2006. Um, True Calling. Whoa. A lot, <laughs> that was Elijah Dushdushki. Douche, yeah, it sure was. Yeah.
1: Do we like her? Never saw it.
0: <laughs> um, I didn't mind her in Buffy, but I always get Elijah Dushku and Jennifer Love Hewitt confused. Aren't they the same person? Like, they're she had
1: that. The, I mean, I didn't see the True Calling show, but she had that other show, the Joss Weedwin Dollhouse, which I love that yeah. show. It was canceled way too soon.
0: Isn't in Buffy? Doesn't she like just disappear randomly? And just like, you never understand. Yeah. I can't remember why it's said Buffy. Anyway. Uh, Cool. That's the Mason stuff. Um, Shall we do Palmer or Kate? Palmer or uh, Kate. I think Pop. Kate. Kate's shorter.
1: Fine, Kate. Then don't ask Fine. my opinion next time.
0: Uh so Kate continues to be racist and only caring about herself. <laughs> <laughs> I love this whole like storyline. Has been all like, oh, yeah, I'm just looking after Ray. Oh, what's happening to Ray? Oh, just you know, just you know, checking out things, being careful. Now that her dad's been arrested, damn <laughs> it! What have you done? What have you done with my dad? You're evil. You're evil, Razor. I'm telling you now. <laughs> like, she just goes from zero to a hundred out of nowhere. It's
1: like, why? Why me? My white brother-in-law never would have done this.
0: <laughs> but I love the fact that like Razor stands up for himself. Was like, you've questioned me and done this and I haven't done anything except this. And I'm like, yeah, Razor, show you. Um, and even Marie's just like, Happy now? You've done this, and Kate's like, "But what about Dad?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I love about this is, uh, when Tony calls up Mason and it's basically like, "Yes, Razors are uh, handing over, yeah, Bob Warner." This is like half an hour after Razors handed over Bob Warner, by the way. So having a casual old chat with TV's John Terry. Uh, in the room. Hey, so I heard you're in a Bond movie. Uh, what was Timothy Dalton really like? Oh, there's a funny story for your son. Sit down and grab a cup of Joe. Uh,
1: the the, the, all, the six greatest Felix Later of all time.
0: Hey, that coming suit. Well, I should know. By the time this airs, it's already it. So listen to 007. Um, but like, I just love this casual conversation about like, yes, no. Uh, we we probably should bring him in for some questioning. Yes, bring him in, Tony. Arrest them. Oh, what do you want to arrest them? I don't care. Arrest them for jaywalking. Bring him in. I love this calm Tony. All right. <laughs> he's so cool. He's just like, yeah, that's why I got into the job. Got into the field. Just wanted to arrest some Arabs. <laughs> so he's like, Come here, you dirty terrorist scum. And John Terry, you can come with me too. <laughs> I love this whole, like, classic TV speech of, like, Come down to the station and let's ask some questions. I'm not going anywhere with you! Well, we can do this one of two ways, Sonny Jim. And cuffs or not, how you decide is up to you. Come on, Jim. Your old scallywag, come scallywag! (laughs) Oh you come here, ruffles here. Now now comes Bob Water. So, oh, razy old scallywag up to your terrorist activity. Oh, you, come on here, son. Let's pop down to that agency that got blown up on the news earlier today. (laughs) No safety risk there. Um, I just love this scene when, again, you're meant to suspect that Bob's up to some evil doings. Kate, call Jenkins. Dad, he's a tax attorney. (laughs) Jenkins will know what to do. Kate, ooh, sinister look. I don't think it's Jenkins. I can't remember his name. Uh, and then we get a oh, good old suspicious Kate up to her old tricks again. Old racist Kate. Uh, <laughs> Lock it on. T- this is 2002. Why are we in 1995 with this computer? Dling. Windows doesn't work that way. Like, it comes up with like Warner International it's like, Dling. You've got mail. Calls up. I don't know. I love this guy on the phone. Like, hi, this is Frank. Thanks for calling Warner International. Hi, Frank. It's Kate. Hey, Kate. How you doing? Good. Is Larry there? No, Larry's not. What can I do for you? I can help you. I really need to speak to Larry. Then Dick Frank. Well, Larry's gone home.
1: (laughs) He went to go change for the wedding.
0: It's a Saturday, for Christ's sake. (laughs) And I love, he's like, I've been trained in the same things he can do. How can I help you? And Kate just pauses like... Oh, maybe this guy might be white. Maybe I can trust him. Uh, he's the
1: Warner <laughs> International
0: version of Paula, isn't he? Yeah. I'm a pretty. department head. <laughs> Which K like, I need to access my father's secret files. <laughs> dude, dude. Like can't you just say, like, oh, there's been a security breach? Can I maybe get Dad's password? Um What I really like about this storyline, and I just it clicked and like I'm, I'm making fun of it, but it's actually, again, it adds, it's tense. It's, like, actually, like, riveting. Because, again, like, if you're watching this for the first time, you think Bob's a terrorist. You're like, oh, okay. And, again, knowing who is the terrorist, this is, like, watching how this is playing out, like, wow, this is really good. What I love about this storyline and the uniqueness of it, and I don't really think we get a whole – we do, I guess, but not to this extent, is that we are kind of got the two – versions of this like usually we see like tony going off to investigate hey there's john down the local street let's bring him in for questioning okay we don't know who john is we don't know john's private life we don't give a shit about john but this time around we kind of care about kate and her family there's a wedding day mm-hmm. and then also we've got tony as well who we care about because he's doing his job so like i kind of like the fact that we've almost got a 50 50 split here seeing both sides of the coin and that we're kind of like yeah go tony find out who these dirty terrorists are blowing up a new car and a new car a nuke a nuke, ah!
1: They blew up a new car.
0: <laughs> nuke, ah! There you and go. And what are
1: you gonna blow up today?
0: A new car. <laughs> it's a brand new Honda Fit. <laughs> Is it blue or green? Who knows? <laughs> um, but then you've obviously got old racist Kate, uh, and then oh, we should mention Bob's like, call everyone, Kate, tell them the wedding's postponed. It'll be okay. So again, I think we Is cut Is that back his to-
1: call? What if Risa and Marie are like, no, we still want to get married.
0: But I also like Marie's line, which is like, I'm coming down to the station. I'm not leaving my fiance. And Tony gives like the subtle nod to the other agent who, let's be honest, <laughs> Kate does not interact with him because he's black. Like we've seen her like <laughs> go antagonistic to him. Um, but I, I, I just like, I think they cut back to Kate on the computer. It's like 10 minutes later. Did she either just not listen to her dad? Or there's like three people coming to the wedding. G'day Jenny, not coming. G'day grandma, no wedding. G'day, aunt, no wedding. All right, now that's done. Let's get on to being racist in <laughs> my dad's files again. Priorities, um, but I, I like again. I'm making fun of it, but like I like it. Like I just I like this coin situation where you're kind of seeing it on both sides.
1: But I mean, I've def- I've been defending the Kate storyline all season so far, and I'm actually liking it even more than I thought I would coming in. Uh, and it's sort of what you just said. I never quite pinpointed it. So good job, Ben, saying Yay, something smart, for a change.
0: Something smart.
1: <laughs> but it's that we get the flip side of this there. It's almost like they work backwards with the storyline. They're like, okay, we're going to have a terrorist. It's going to be involved in this plot. Let's have it be this person suspected this person, because there was previously attention on this person. And then this lady, Kate is at the middle of all that. Uh, and so many seasons of 24 they all uh, almost all seasons have this subplot that when it starts it takes you 3 or 4 episodes to figure out where is this going. This one is probably of all the seasons the one that gets to the quickest other than season 4. When we get to season 4 that little subplot that that one like takes off right away. But I'm not saying it's because we care about these characters. It's actually kind of the opposite of that. I mean, you don't care about these characters. You pretty much get from the beginning all these characters are terrible people. You know, uh, nobody's great. They're not trying to make Kate a likable character. They're not trying to make Bob a like. Bob's the one that probably trying to make the most likable. Um,
0: but well, it's, he's it's just the that sixth best Felix Lider. I mean, come on.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's he's not Seth Linder. <laughs> if it was Seth yeah, Linder, exactly. then nobody would oh, care.
0: <laughs> exactly. It was,
1: Flirting Burton than, <laughs>
0: no. Flirt with Burton <laughs>
1: <laughs> But it, it's It's that we care about the story It's that it means more To say if you just showed up and had Tony arrest Somebody say well we have a wedding today you wouldn't care But you've already seen all this drama about the wedding And I mean we've both Been married before uh, we might even uh, Again one day <laughs> not together
0: But <laughs> 50% of us still are Well I mean technically 100% still are But 50% the wife's in the other room So <laughs>
1: But uh, but there's always drama with a wedding. So I, maybe that's one of the things that kind of resonates more here. And after, yeah, long after. Um, well, right, not, that long. No. not that long. Oh, not we that long.
0: Not that long for some, me. you know.
1: <laughs> but uh, I also have to say with this story, I'm really surprised because this Kate and Reza scene is so good. Mm. And I know we, we've had um, Philip Reese on the show. Great interview. Twice. Uh, twice we've had him on the show. Uh, sarah winter sure we'll have on at some point cross our fingers uh but i mean neither of them are really held up this isn't like we're seeing a scene between uh i don't know any of the, the all-star actors on who's that who's that guy who didn't want to be Keith credited and, no we'll
0: keep it silent. the <laughs> guy <laughs> who's that the all-star cast who's that guy who's no,
1: jack no, the, the one who the one who refused the credit because his name couldn't be next to somebody else
0: oh um uh stanton um Stanton. yeah. It was. Uh, uh, what's his fucking name? Harris Eulin.
1: Here Eulin, yeah. So it's not like these established actors, but I'm like, they're actually both really good. And it kind of makes me wish that they'd gone on to bigger things. I mean, I'm not, I'm not knocking the career that Sarah Winter and Philip Reese had, but this is one of the better dramatic scenes of the entire episode, their whole blow-up with each other. And again, it's because we've had that built. Maybe the reason that this storyline works for me is because it's the only one in this whole show that has the patience to set something up to tell it over the course of several episodes to build tension. So yeah, yeah, I'm much higher on this than I thought I would be. I I do find it hilarious. (laughs) just the subtle racism that I don't even think the writers noticed. Maybe it was all intentional. Maybe we could get uh, whoever um, uh, the writer of this episode was or James Whitmore Jr. On here to answer the questions why last week Reza is like, I want my lawyer. And Tony's like, no. And this time Bob's like, all right, contact my lawyer. And Tony's like, it's all right. Go ahead. <laughs> like, why is Tony not like, no, no. As I told Razor, we don't do lawyers. That's not our thing. White. Again. right, <laughs> yeah. Cops are and nice Marie- to white
0: people. Cops are nice to white men, you know.
1: Marie, oh, I'm coming down with you. And Tony's like, allowed.
0: Razor's <laughs> Tony- parents walk in. All right, we're coming to. No. No. <laughs> See the color of her skin? Okay. You go work on that. And maybe you can come down to the station. Take that thing off your head. If you weren't wearing that on your head. Then maybe I'm this American. America. That's not an American. God. That's not an American thing you wear in your head. You terrorist scum. Yeah. Start singing out the national anthem. <laughs> oh, say uh, can <laughs> you see
1: America, America,
0: born in the USA. <laughs>
1: I just want to... yeah, that's Tony and the other agent high five fiveing each other. Born in the USA,
0: hey. <laughs> <laughs> and that song actually is not patriotic. Like, have you heard like that, that? It's what it's about Vietnam people or something coming back and like yeah, it's one of those songs that people interpret as being something that it's not. Oh, that, it's the, like
1: that's Ray Zan and his parents high five born yeah. in the USA. <laughs> it's
0: like "You're Beautiful" by James Blunt. Not a romantic song at all. <laughs> I interviewed James Blunt and I talked to him about that. And he's like, it baffles the shit out of me that people use this as a wedding song. It is not romantic. Um, it's like every breath you take my Sting. It's a stalker song. He's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So romantic. I'll be watching. Like He's fucking like stalking people. Every breath you take, every step you take, I'll be watching you. Like, <laughs> creepy as fuck. <laughs> Hello, to Sting. If he's listening, that's, on that's Paula's song too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Every breath you take.
0: Oh, too soon, Colin. <laughs> She's dead. um just some uh, respect. <laughs> show her some respect. <laughs> Enrique, Enrique,
1: <laughs> Enrique. <laughs>
0: Oh fuck. We really make it hard.
1: People literally have to listen to all 1070 episodes that we've ever recorded to get all our jokes.
0: Well Lad Undercover does. He's finally up to 2018, so he's getting there. (laughs) Thanks to Lad Undercover for finally listening to our Godzilla nineteen (laughs) ninety-eight recap. (laughs) <laughs> At this rate, you'll be up to this episode in two thousand and twenty-seven. So, um, he's the new Chris Dixon of the old. Man. Whatever happened to Chris Dixon? I haven't been bombarded by Chris Dixon in about two years um so he's bombarding other people about me so (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) he is
0: (laughs) hello chris if you're listening um let's get to palmer drama because once again we show how inept palmer is as a president um but again it's tension filled. like this is all the things that i'm literally going like oh my god this is like really bad like this makes no sense but at the same time i'm loving it um this is like trashy television that i'm really really enjoying um Mikey's back. There's Mike. Sherry's on the phone. Uh, yes. Oh, well, give me, give me a name. Give me a number. Like, oh, Penny Johnson. Gerald is just so charming. I want her to ring up and twist my arm, just the way like she's just so believable. Um, and Mike comes in. you beautiful, Sherry. How you doing? What are you up to? Oh, you scallywag, you. Scallywag. <laughs> How's Nicole? We haven't mentioned her name this season. Doesn't say that. Um, but I kind of like Mike. Where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but sort of Mike shows up to like Palmer and Lynn and Mike's excuse of oh, I've just uh just showed up. Um but again, this is a big issue I have with this episode. And I'm hypocritical because I'm usually like everything's going too fast, but now everything's too slow. Palmer's sitting in his office with Lynn yeah. just discussing shit while a nuclear bomb is set to go off in Los Angeles at any second. He should be like I in a, think in a war room. Has,
1: uh... <laughs> Mmm, the tuna melt. No, no, I had tuna melt yesterday. Uh corned beef. Yes!
0: <laughs> Corn beef. Lynn, what do you want? Mike, you're in. What would you like? You know, let's uh let's do that. Um but uh so now we've got this whole thing about let's remind our audience that Ron Whelan's still in custody. It's only been about four hours. Um <laughs> And then I love how, like, my, is it Mikey who's like, why don't we make up a story? It's like, Palmer, oh, can we do that? Yes, I just received precedence that under executive orders in national crisis, we can maintain the press. I love Palmer's reaction. He's like, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> Palmer is literally like, yes, I can do something illegal. <laughs> Come on. Go illegal shit. Um, and we're like... What sort of story can we make up? I don't know. Tell him he went to Portland or something. (laughs) For a personal matter. Uh, And then Papa's like, yes. Uh, Yes. (laughs) It's no longer because we can't. Now it's like, yes. yes!" (laughs) Um, But then I also love the fact that it's all back into sherry drama. And Mike's like, oh, so, see the ex-wife, the old old ball and chain, there she is, (coughs) hanging around. And then I just love Palmer here. It's like, it's almost like this should be days of our lives. It's like, Sherry says that somebody inside my organization could be working against me, (laughs) turns to the camera. Um, And then it's just all like, Mike's like, oh, well, let's get to the bottom of this. And then I fucking love good old crappy President Palmer because he just happened to have one guy he's already fired today who didn't do anything wrong, Mr. Stanton. Oh, not Stanton, Rayburn. It's like, oh, why don't you investigate that Stanton guy? It's like, why, Mr. President? Because he works for the NSA, and that guy I fired also worked for the NSA. See where I'm going with this? See the connection? And Mike's like... Yeah! Yeah, NSA! Yeah. Evil! <laughs> what exactly did uh, Eric Rayburn do? He did things without me telling him to. And <laughs> so did my chief of start, Lynn, but she's got boobs and I might be banging her, so she's okay. And he's got a penis, so no. You're right, Mr. President, I'll keep an eye on him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So Keep an eye on that penis. I don't trust it.
0: <laughs> we get this like awkward scene, which is like classic 24, because it's all like, oh, we're meant to think Stanton might be up to something. Oh, that old devil he is. So Mike's Scallywig. all So Mike's all like, uh, hey, hey, how you doing? He's like, I'm good, Mike. How are you? Yeah, good. You're good, yeah. Busy? Yeah. <laughs> Nuclear bomb going off today. Well, <laughs> must be busy. <laughs> so I'm just gonna come with you. Why? Because. Cause I no, I, because I can. Because I can. I I, don't want you to. It's it's hard, but I'm going to. Okay. Palmer in the background. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and then I love this fact there that you've got Palmer, again, just chilling. It's just a casual Saturday. A new clip on going off in LA today. It's like, so Lynn, what's going on in LA? Oh, well, okay, so we just got a few things going on. Yep, FBI searching, uh, cops doing this, uh, let a white girl go before, but body in the trunk, awkward. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, oh, this is a new one, uh, CTU, yes, found some nuclear radiation, uh, there's a couple of bodies, I believe it's linked to the bomb. It's so casual, like shouldn't it <laughs> be brought to the president like two or three hours ago when this happened? She's telling him now. By the way, CTU found where the bomb was made. Oh, okay. Probably shouldn't know that for another three hours. By the way, have you got an updated casualty report? Um, <laughs> Palmer's biggest concern here is not the fact that we have found the source of where the nuke is going or where the nuke is from. It's, oh, we've got a lead. Yeah, we're finding this guy called Mahmoud Fahin. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Nina. Yeah, she's uh, Oh, and uh, I think Jack Bauer. He's still working. I thought I sent him home. Yeah, no, he's still working. Okay. He's hanging out with Nina. He's, he's just, hanging out with Nina Myers. <laughs> and then I love Lin Lynn's just like, yeah, like, okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they cool. Um, And so then we've got this, uh, this again, this is just really cheesy and over the top, and it's days of our lives. But I love it. I love this, like, Lynn and Sherry situation where they're, again, chilling in a boardroom because, again, Nuke going off. And kind of like, Lynn's, Lynn's doing her job well. Okay, she's taking three hours to like tell Palmer about this whole nuclear bomb being discovered. But hey, like she sort of steps in there and they're about to start talking about it. And then Lynn's kind of like looking at uh, Palmer, Sherry, civilian, can't, you know, mention the whole national secret thing. And Palmer's are like, it's okay, Lynn. I've granted her a special privilege. And it's, and she's just looking this look like, okay. <laughs> uh, so then basically this is all like a, a secret meeting about like there could be people in the the presidency against me and... We found out that that, uh, Stanton has been having meetings with the House leaders secretly behind your back, sir. It's like, oh, there must be an evil plan. And I love just I just love Lynn. Like, this is maybe the best Lynn episode so far. Lynn's like, uh yeah, I knew about that. Uh they're just like meeting up about like agricultural policy. I've got all this notes here. I was like, I and it's not it's not meant to be voted on for months. To which I like, cut to like Sherry's evil look and she's like, Ooh, suspicious Sherry. Like, ooh, what's going on here, Sherry? Like, I just love the You fact win that- this
1: round, white girl. <laughs>
0: But, like, nothing is, like, at all suspicious about this meeting that, like, Stanton's had with the Senate, like, the opposition. and then, But, like, I fucking love this scene. Uh, well, then Even Palmer's like, oh, we need to get to the bottom of this. I still don't know that Stanton's working with me. They also mention here, I think, <laughs> remember that helicopter that crashed two episodes ago that we've just forgotten about? And I love how Palmer's yeah. just gone from zero to 100. Stanton, that helicopter crash had benefited Stanton. That's a benefit benefited you <laughs> but we're not talking about that, are we, Mr. President? Um, but then I love this scene between Sherry and Lynn where like it's all you know all cordial and it's kind of like, oh, you know, Lynn, how you doing? Can we uh can we have a word? Sure. Sherry, how you doing? Good, thanks. Good just remember who got him into the White House. And I love her line when she says something on the lines of, like, David works around really competent people, and some people are really good. You're not one of them, but you're up there or something (laughs) like that. I just, like, share like, this is why, like, Again, it's so Days of Our Lives. Sherry's just you clearly hear, you know, oh, she's working her way up. Like, she's evil Sherry, even though she's technically not evil. Uh, but, like, it's just a great standoff. Penny Johnson-Gerald sells this so well about the whole, like, just remember who got him into office. And I'm kind of Team Sherry here as well. I'm like, well, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. she was married to him for, like, how many years? I'm sure, like, Palmer's not just sitting around going, I might run for president one day. Like, it's a team effort. Um, and then I just love this look that kind of Lynn gives Palmer, and then she's just like, Fair enough. And she walks off like, yeah, like, I'm on team both Leon and Sherry here. And then what's Palmer's like, just, you know, be careful what you're doing, Sherry. Like, <laughs> you know, like, just, just make sure you do your job. Because we can. Yes. And Sherry's yes. just like, I'll behave, Mr. President, I promise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just love that line when Palmer's just like, you're only here because you've got information that no one else has and you can get on with people to know. Like, it's just... Again, it shouldn't work. It's kind of stupid, but it's w- brilliant. It's well acted. It's tense, and I like. I know exactly what happens, but I love it. Like this is just this is where this season picks up in one episode because it's like okay, you're pulling this really shitty plot holy story <laughs> off really really well.
1: Yeah, you're completely right. Because uh, let's be honest, the idea of somebody in your administration maybe working against you, kind of a given in politics, isn't it? It's like, yeah. There's like yeah, I don't think you've seen The Godfather, but there's tons of scenes in The Godfather where like, all right, so uh this guy, my childhood friend, or oh, your uncle. Yeah, he betrayed me. Um, I think we're gonna have to kill him. It's just it's a given. Oh, somebody is uh somebody is gonna be trying to assassinate, you know, your son. Uh it's going to happen. They're it's assuming survivor. these it, well, exactly. Exactly.
0: you don't see around survivor camp. Oh, there might be somebody maybe gonna stab me in the back no, and blindside me. No.
1: I, I don't <laughs> think that everybody here is telling the truth (laughs) this is politics (laughs) that is what the game is so this the overly dramatic thing about oh somebody maybe That nobody in the audience is buying this storyline what makes it work is penny johnson gerald and i don't think that i ever quite gave her as much credit as an actress as i will give her after watching this episode because everything she pulls off is so badly written i mean the the drama between her and lynn like it's just like two catty women. I mean, this is like such a stereotype in movies and TV shows. Well, Lynn, I got him into the white house. Like, Well, I know that they were just meeting about the agricultural plan. And it's just throwing all these shots back and forth. But like, give credit to both uh, uh who's who's the the lynn actress Forbes. Uh, Michelle Forbes.
0: i was gonna mention so, her in a minute yeah
1: yeah like like she's really good in this scene too like she i is. believe the tension between them and on the, the page there is no <laughs> tension there it is poorly written it is like you said full of plot holes everything is way too casual but i'm tense watching them and that's one of the things that worked in this episode that i was talking about the these subtle things they did that just improved the tension and things that didn't work in past episodes. It's not, we wrote this better. It's not, we directed this better. It's that we got Penny Johnson, Gerald. That's it. That's all we have to do. Yes. Penny Johnson, Gerald. Yes.
0: (laughs) Can we have a t-shirt? Just Penny Johnson, Gerald. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Have I I ever mentioned, I remember when I rewatched this show with my friend, like many, many years ago. And like, I just, I remember saying it, she judged me all the time, but I stand by this even what, 20 years later, I have a very weird crush on Penny Johnson, Gerald. Like oh, who doesn't like I'm serious. Like I legitimately What's weird about have, it? like, I don't know. Cause I feel like as a, she's probably what, like 30, 40 years older than me. And like, she's not, ex- and like, I don't mean this to sound horrible, but she's not cast because like <laughs> Alicia Cuthbert is cast because she's young and hot. And it's, it's natural for a teenage boy to have a crush on Alicia Cuthbert. But like as a teenage boy, I'm not meant to have a crush on Penny Johnson Gerald, but I'm like. I have a crush on Penny Johnson Gerald. <laughs> like she's she's doing things for me. Um, we we need we need to today. take a poll poll
1: of all teenage boys uh, from two thousand and two. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> like if we ever get Penny Johnson Gerald, show, I just want to be like like Penny like Penny Johnson or Penny me. Johnson or Mrs Gerald Mrs Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Can we call you PJJ? Like I always get confused when people have three names. Like do you call them Mrs Gerald, Mrs Johnson Gerald, or is she Penny PJ? Yeah PJ. Like hey PJ like uh, like have you ever been considered a Sex symbol amongst teenage boys? like. (laughs) And if there was somebody on this line who admitted to that right now, is that awkward or, you know, like kind of how we feeling right now? Uh, Hashtag me too. I don't know if that's appropriate (laughs) or not. But uh, anyway, um, let's get to the Jack stuff and the CTU stuff. I mean, the CTU stuff, Michelle gets, like I think, two more lines than she did last week. Uh, I just wanted to point out one thing about CTU. This place got bombed, what, three, four hours ago? Who cares? Like, 30-odd people died in this building a few hours ago. But, I don't know, like, 9-11, we've got to bring it up eventually. Like, did they go in on September the 12th, like, office number on floor 42, and we're just like, oh, here's my computer, here's my desk. <laughs> what are you doing, Jenkins? You've got to get to work. I mean, we're, we're pulling bodies around you. Yeah, what important office stuff. Work stops to no one. Fair enough. Enjoy your day. <laughs> This building is shut down. They've moved their operations down to the local Ritz-Carlton or something like that. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous that they still operate. And again, the excuse is, this is hypocritical, Ben. There's a nuclear bomb going off, but no one's rushing around this building. Like, where's our foreman from a week or two ago? Like, if you don't do this, I'm shutting you down. I don't yeah. care what they say um can I see, can I, sorry back up really quickly can we mention Armus again that palmer drops like Armus's name about five times already. <laughs> just like get Armist to do this and get Armist to do that like give me Armus command should really do mention you, do that you
1: feel like this is like i don't know um palmer's drinking game yeah he's like i'm gonna fit the name armis in as many times as well. not never in the script not once it's like however many times i can fit <laughs> Armus's name in there people have I to think- take a drink
0: I think he is. Um, The only other real CTU stuff here, um, sort of Mason and Michelle back and forth a little bit. I love this bit where Michelle says to Mason, like, "Uh, so, um, yeah, Ed Phillips, our agent. Yes, yes, they should be arriving at the airport now. Uh, So Jack drugged him and got on the plane without him. And I just love Mason's reaction. Oh, Jack. (laughs) Just like Michelle's (laughs) like, should we do something about this? Oh, he's on a plane. What else can we do? And Michelle's like, but sir... But sir, the odds are
1: successfully navigating.
0: Never tell me the odds. Uh, But (laughs) I bet you're wondering why I have a red arm. Uh, (laughs) Oh, it's such a drag. Um... (laughs) Behind, beside but Rako Ellsworth would make a great C-3PO make it happen um, but I just love the reaction when she's literally like but sir and then just like what can I tell you he gets stuff done long classic Jack <laughs> like it's again what is like ridiculous about this is there are so many plot holes there are so many stupid things where literally again Jack has been brought in laying on his couch how do I and now he's basically just like Mr. Jack Bauer again and just taking control. Again, has he formally been reinstated? I don't think so. Uh, it's just like George's like, oh, scallywag, Jack, <laughs> drugging fellow agents, getting on a plane with a woman who killed his wife. Oh, nothing could go wrong. Whoa. Like, it's just, let's get on with it. Um, and I also love Michelle here with the best technology ever translation tools that can like translate Arabic into English (laughs) in two seconds. Into Windows
1: WordPad too. Like it's not even like they could be bothered to create a software program.
0: I've got Google Translate on my phone, and when I stayed in Mexico and at my Airbnb, one of the ladies who stayed there, this sweet little old lady, would get up every morning and cook me breakfast. Did not speak a word of English, so I'd be like, mm, "Gracias, see, sí, sí. So then I'd like go on my Google Translate and be like, "This is very good, thank you," and it would be all like, "Hola, gracias, buenas day," like whatever. And then like she would just kind of look and go like, "Oh yeah, see, sí, see." Sí. <laughs> like I don't even think it made sense. Again, it's two thousand and two. And CTU have got the best translation tools ever. Um, but anyway, um, but all the good stuff with Jack, I fucking love like Jack getting off this plane and like little Dobenina, Jack drug someone! Jack drunk someone! <laughs> and then just this other agent's just like, How you doing, Jack? How's Kim? Yeah, I'll just give you a 20-minute heads up, we'll make sure that he gets better. And then just that look on Nina's face where Nina's like, ah shit. <laughs> <laughs> And then we go, now have we had any mention that the FBI are in on this operation? Because all of a sudden the FBI are on board. Because um, why not? And who do we meet? Uh, we meet FBI agent Rick Phillips, played by this team, Michael Kudlitz, who of course we spoke about recently <laughs> on D3, The Mighty Ducks. Uh, I talked about him before being on like Southland. He's in, he's in Lost. Uh, we talked a lot about him, but I completely forgot he was in 24. But here he is, TV's uh, Michael <laughs> Kudlitz, D3, The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> he the he oldest is, he,
1: teenager ever.
0: Does he look younger in this than he does in? I think he <laughs> does. does. <laughs> um, but he's all like, damn it, Jack. We're the FBI. We're, we're doing this on board. Don't yell at her. Won't get anywhere. Plane takes off uh, literally within two minutes. Uh, they're en route to the ve- Versailles, Versailles, whatever this place is called. Celia. Uh, that too. Um, and then Jack gets a bit aggressive with a damn it, Nina! Where is the the bomb? And, like, don't hit her. Okay, get a change. She needs to look like a civilian. And we get this kind of, like, ooh, sexual tension scene between... I Actually, (laughs) one thing I will say about this, like, I actually like that they kind of play on Jack and Nina's sexual tension because we get this next season as well. And, like, this should be, like, cheap and not work because this is the woman who killed his wife. But we also know that these two were fucking and that they had a relationship so like I kind of liked the, the fact that they literally play off this sexual tension between Jack and Nina when it shouldn't work, and it works. Like mm. I love this scene when like kind of Jack's like, "Get a change." Take off your clothes. No, <laughs> my eyes don't leave her, and like literally, his eyes do. Jack's checking out the boobies. Um, Jack's like, "Just how I remember them." Like, <laughs> <when he's> like, <laughs> like, like you know, like Jack's getting off. You got on a really good body, look. Nina. You That's swim. Yeah, I swim, swim. Oh, so does my daughter. I mean, wait, what? Uh, and we get, like, a bit of a look here. Nina's got a scar on her back. That Like, are we meant to be like, oh, Nina's been abused in jail? No, that's from sex with Jack. Because Jack's a <laughs> kinky motherfucker. Like, I want Nina to turn around and Jack's like, I remember when I gave you that. She's like, me too. You kill my wife, shut up. Um, <laughs> so they land. Now, okay, they land... 18 minutes after they took off, okay? Now, they land at Davenport Airfield in Vesalia, or whatever this place is called, right? I thought, oh, okay, fictional. Is it? No. Looked it up. Real Air Force space. Real town. Flight time from LA to Vesalia, Davenport Airfield, is 55 minutes. It took them 18. They've got a fucking fast plane.
1: The space shuttle <laughs> is what they took.
0: <laughs> they they pretty much did. Um. So... They're all sort of going on this plan and basically like, where is Mahmood? He's in a thrift store. Uh, okay, well you're gonna walk in, you're gonna do this, and we're gonna be right outside, and uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna storm it, and we're gonna arrest him once we've identified Mahmood. I fucking love this line here where Nina's basically like, "No, Jack, I can't do that. I'm gonna walk in, and he's gonna shoot me. Then he's gonna turn and shoot himself, and turn the gun on himself and shoot himself." And Jack's just got this stare, and he's just like. We're gonna make sure he doesn't shoot himself. That's oh, (laughs) drop Mike Jack! Fucking love it. It's so good. This is my Jack. This is I'm gonna need a hacksaw. Like this is epic. I love that line so much. Um, they get to the thrift store. And this is where, again, this episode works so well because it's, it's tense. We're in a stakeout. Like, she's walking in and I love Sarah Clarky just playing this kind of like, oh, fuck, like I'm scared sort of thing. Sarah Clark can play like scared to evil so fucking quickly. Um, and then you got got yeah, Agent Jack with his glasses and his earpiece, like, Michelle, talk to me. And then we go into this. It's a weird-looking thrift store. Uh, and we meet my favourite character of this episode, the store clerk. I love this woman. <laughs> She's so. Wait, I, I get so,
1: so much th- criticism for me always liking the, the the desk clerks in James Bond movies. where you're like my favorite character, store clerk,
0: played by Sharin Sharaf. I just love this woman. She's all like, "Hello, is there something I can help you with?" And Nina's like, "I need to speak to Mahmoud." Oh, I don't know Mahmoud. Tell him Nina's here. And she's like, "Oh," so she picks up the phone and we get sort of this Arabic conversation. Blah 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 blah. Nina. Blah blah Nina. Blah, 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 Nina. Oh, okay.
1: Nina. Come. Nina. Nina. Come out. Nina, come out Nina. to the
0: back. Okay. And then, like, store clerk just, got, you know, it reminds me of the um the granny in um in Goldfinger, like the kind of, like, the subtle little wave to Bond as they're driving through the thing, and the next minute she's got a machine gun. This is who store clerk is because, like, they go through here, they're out the back, and Nina's wearing, like, a bloody necklace with a, uh, a, a camera in it. She's picked up, like, a $50 voucher or something like that off the table. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Nina really likes this thrift store. She wants to come back and, and buy some stuff when she's free. Uh, but she gets searched for a guard, meets Mahmood, and there's this kind of like, having this conversation and she's telling him why they broke out of jail, and then basically she hugs him, can't see the camera, can't hear the conversation. And Jack's like, damn it, let's get in. <laughs> I love CTU here. Typical law agency in the US. They've surrounded this whole building, they're jumping down the chute. There's like one person with a shotgun who they shoot coming up the stairs. I love this guy who comes down, like, the shoot the, the ceiling. Literally starts murdering everyone in this thrift store. <laughs> I mean, one person has a gun. Jenny was in there buying a vase for her grandma for Christmas. She's dead. Just uh, <laughs> murdering everyone. Like, literally, it's not like they're going like, everyone on the ground, see to you. They're just like, jump, jump. <laughs> like. This is a video game to them and store clerk just grabs a machine and starts, I think she kills one of the CTU agents and then all of a sudden, poor old store clerk's dead. Uh, I don't know why it's so funny. I love this woman. And then what makes it great is that Nina's gone. Jack, damn it, Nina's gone. I should say I keep saying Jack says damn it. There was no damn it in this episode. I think we get a damn it from Miguel or someone like that or a Michelle damn it. We don't get a Jack damn it. Um, no. To which... Uh, Nina's escaped and we get this great scene where basically she's about to shoot off the lock and Jack's like, Nina, freeze, I've got you. Er, let's play bondage, yeah, show me that scar. Um, and then I just love this sequence where Nina gives up because she kind of thinks about it. She's kind of like, oh, like, do I do I do this? No. And then Jack has a gun on the back of her head and just Kiva Sutherland here, holy fuck, like he's shaking, oh, yeah. you physically see this gun shaking and this look that he's got on his face, like, Keeper Sutherland can just sell so much. Like, why? This is a weird thing to say because Keeper Sutherland is movies Keeper Sutherland until he became TV's Keeper Sutherland. Why is he not back into movies Keeper Sutherland? Like, this guy could win Oscars. Like, he should be like this sort of like he just should be doing bigger and better things. He's on the road again, by the way. He's got a new album coming out, so maybe we can uh, see him perform. But Arrest Nina, that's just it. Just works. It's just so good and. Oh, just I love it. Like again, even though it's like so childish, well not childish, cartoonish, with like CTU murdering innocent civilians in this thrift store. Uh <laughs> like it just It's just great the tension just this scene with Jack and Nina just with the gun to her head. Because again, you've you've always got this thing of like Jack's gonna kill her. It's just we know it's gonna happen. Alright? And let's be honest, it's gonna happen. But like it's that like it's the will they won't, a sexual tension of a TV show. Of are they going to hook up together? But it's the will he, won't he, kill her sexual gun murderous tension, which is just great. So props to this episode for turning this season around. Well, it's, it's one episode, but like, I just, I love this Jack stuff too. Like, the, even the Kim stuff isn't bad in this episode. So, like, it's, this is a, just a well rounded episode.
1: Yet I feel like if this was a season one episode, would be like, it's all right.
0: <laughs> it's, yeah. it's
1: average. Season
0: five episode, eh. Uh,
1: but uh yeah the ct just the casualness of so jack drugged an agent yeah huh, that's jack oh, what oops. are you gonna do scallywag <laughs> oh jack you roughly arrogant. <laughs> why are they so casual about that like uh, i'd be a little bit more concerned because we know that jack's done some crazy things that mason you know, was he on board.
0: did print his head off like six hours ago. Oh, yeah. Jack <laughs> slaps him on the ass. Get out of here, you old catch you at the barbecue on the weekend, you <laughs> bastard. Uh,
1: but uh, just the fact that, like, everybody knows about this. <laughs> it's like, I even uh, um, uh, Mr. 40 year old teenager or whatever is like, I know what you did to Ed, and I don't like it, but I'll help you anyways.
0: <laughs> like, here it suggest- is, we don't yeah, really the, like it.
1: <laughs> he doesn't even have a real rank right now. This is a civilian with provisional status who has chopped somebody's hand off, who has shot a gun in a government building, who has blown up a government building, <laughs> who has drugged another agent,
0: and he is it, currently has custody of his wife's killer. Nobody's worried about it at all. <laughs> which which like Again, we, we, we I think we're going to be doing this a lot in 24 because realistically, Jack just does some shit that this guy should be in Guantanamo, Guantanamo. But like that's why we love Jack. And I think one thing that I'm really noticing re-watching this and being critical of it is that 24 is really a show which we should not be doing what we're doing with it. It is a check your brain at the door. It's kind of yeah. unbelievable bullshit. And, like, Jack Bauer does become more and more of almost an invincible superhero as the show comes on. But, like, that is why people love 24, because it Uh is the Jack But This is why Legacy did not work, because literally we only care about Jack. Even the shit that happens in some of the later seasons, like Jack still, like, even Jack's family, you're still like, well, it's Jack's family, so we've got to care. But that's, like, brilliant. Like, we love James Bond, and, like, 60% 60% of the James Bond movies are filled with just unbelievable bullshit that shouldn't work, but we love it because it's James Bond. Um, so, like, that's one thing that, like, this is, I think this is really fun to recap, though, because it's like we're, we're pick. Pit, pinpointed the absolute bullshit that is stupid and you summed it up there like chopped a head off blew a building off <laughs> shot a gun in the government building freely allowed to hang out with a woman who killed his wife 18 months ago who's literally been in a depressive state the reason why he left ctu in the me- in the moment notice because of this just like and, th- and now the president knows that this is happening and the president's just gone back to his meeting with sherry <laughs> like, you <laughs> what jack's with nina well, that's a crisis for another time. What's Sherry up to? <laughs> but but
1: you're right because I think when the show originally aired, it was so different for TV that you forgave it just because nothing on network TV was this smart, nothing on network TV was this riveting and and this cinematic. That I think for years you get this idea in your head that this was you know the smartest TV show that ever existed when really it is dumb entertainment. And I, I'm saying that in a good way. I like mm. this show was never intended to develop the reputation it had where it was, you know, so perfectly plotted and, and made sense and all that. Like it, it is entertainment. It's just, it's cinematic entertainment. And if this were a movie this wouldn't be an Oscar nominated movie. I mean, yes, we're going to get an Emmy winning season coming up, but this isn't like a best picture winning movie. This is like a blockbuster entertainment award winning. This is a Born movie. It's very well done for what it is, but it's still just entertainment. So yeah, you're right about that.
0: And this is the thing too, that I think kind of recapping this in 2021, it's, it's, we live in the golden age of television, right? Where literally television is basically movies. And, you know, we've talked up a lot on, on Lost and Breaking Bad, about how kind of it's it's that level of television which is just amazing and you know it's 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 realistic and gripping and all this sort of stuff. But let's not forget what TV generally is. Like like this is what we were watching back in two thousand and one, two thousand and two, and that's just, this was acceptable. Like yeah. I mean, like you think about a lot of the TV shows that like, like I joke about this crave that we had in the middle of 2000s about, you know, these weird sort of crime shows, but like we literally had shows where it was like, let's solve crimes with numbers. Let's get a guy who is slightly psychic. He'll help us do criminal <laughs> stuff. Again, Monk, whatever he did. Um, <laughs> like, don't know what he did, but people ate that shit up. Like it's like, they loved it house. Like, Oh, Hugh Laurie was a bit quirky and he had a limp and he was angry at people. Like again, it was dumb television, but we believed mm-hmm. it. Like, again, like, shows in the history, like, what was Night Rider? You talk to a fucking car, like, that did <laughs> shit. Like, MacGyver built things out of paperclips. Like, it's just it's unbelievable bullshit that you would never get away with today, but that's what we wanted. And I think yeah. we've lost track of, like, and again, we're, we're to blame here. We're being... Critical of a show, going this is unbelievable. This is unrealistic. But that's kind of our job. But like we're enjoying, we're enjoying this it. deal. Like this is this is what I'm saying. Like there are so many plot holes that make no sense in this. But it's it's enjoyable, and I think that like a show like this doesn't fly today because it's just it's people are so serious now. Like oh no, they can't do that. It's unrealistic. Um, but anyway. um, yeah, the, the I, whole... yeah Yes, Colin, please. If you I was just saying cares. on the
1: plane scene, Like, I'm glad you mentioned the whole sexual tension thing because I don't even know if it was intentional, uh, but th- the moment where he does say, no, 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 I'm going to keep my eyes up like, It's not like he is perving on her. It's not like he's like, yeah, I want to check out those boobs one more time. But there's a comfort level that they have that he wouldn't have had if he was watching Michael Kudlitz take his pants off <laughs> <Yes>. or Ed. <laughs> I'm sure him and Ed definitely have seen Ooh. each other naked, but Mr. Uh, Ed. <laughs> Mr. Ed. Mm. <laughs> a horse,
0: a horse, of course, of course, nobody,
1: a horse, of course, Ed was hung like Mr. Ed. We know that. Ooh. But, Ooh. but yeah, That's it's a good just, looking horse. <laughs> it's something that you, you can remind the audience of in that scene where if the audience remembers season one, they're going to be like, oh, this isn't pervy. This is just, you know, he doesn't care. Uh, yeah. But the one thing that really bothered me is like, she's in prison. She's not wearing a bra. Like, do they not give her bra? Are bras not allowed in prison? <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm going to strip the wire out of this. And I guess she could strip the wire and pick it up. Well, I, so maybe I honestly was about shit.
0: to say that. I'm thinking maybe bras probably couldn't be because like you could probably do yeah. shit with a bra. I don't know. I don't wear one. Uh, do you? <laughs> I'm not around them anymore. I don't have to wash them anymore. So I haven't seen one in about eight or nine months. So I I don't know.
1: You know, I still get yelled at every time I do laundry because it's like, you don't throw the bra in the dryer. (laughs) It explains why nobody understands why women just have bras hanging everywhere. (laughs) Why are bras hanging from your doorknobs? Because you don't throw them in the dryer.
0: Because you'd have to put them in a special laundry bag. And then (laughs) all of a sudden it was like, oh, no, you don't put that in the dryer. That's special underwear. I'm like, well, it looks special when you wear it. But I didn't realize it was got to wash it. Like It's still got the same... (laughs) juices on it. Like, I mean, like, what's... Oh, it's a different material. Like, well, fucking Jesus Christ, you washed the clothes then. <laughs> I'm a man. We're not meant to be doing this. <laughs> Sex Ben. There's your mark for the episode. Um, the well, Also, one thing I'll say, too, like, you mentioned, like, the, the season one stuff and, like, even this little throwback with George, like, the beauty about 24 is that, again, you can kind of watch these seasons in isolation. They're, they're, they're kind of... And that's why, like, I feel... You, you know, as, as much as the episodes are weird to rank because we always lose track of them. It's so much, easier. 24 is a show where the seasons are easier to rank because they're very much this standalone seasons, which they're still connected though. This isn't American horror story where they, it's an anthology series. Like this is legitimately a show where it's all connected, but like you could pick up season two and kind of not have to know season one and still kind of get it. Um, You know, a few references here and there, but I think that's where it kind of each of these seasons are their own. They're almost like their own movies.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly, which also hadn't been done before on television. Um, oh,
0: excuse me. Whoa. Wow, I was drinking uh, you a burping, st- That was professional.
1: We start every episode with, what did you have for breakfast? And my answer is literally nothing other than air, and that's what I get for having air for breakfast. Um.
0: Is it is it gluten-free air?
1: Doesn't smell like it. Uh, <laughs> that might be the problem. Anyways, wow. uh, one thing I mentioned last week because I'd already watched this episode when we started last week: the geography of this scene. They're in Visalia. Uh, and for whatever reason, whenever I see billboards in the background when they're on location, or if you see uh, signs and things like that, anything that would date it, or you know, you'd normally be like, "Oh, this." When you get a movie that takes place in two thousand twenty-one, and you're seeing billboards for the rise of skywalker you know you oh i can clearly tell this movie was delayed uh there is a theater they walk past that's promoting the valley film festival mm. which when i saw that i'm just curious i'm like hmm this is a real location i wonder what's playing at the valley film festival i couldn't find what the lineup was but i did find that the valley film festival is something that takes place in san fernando uh and this is in visalia which is about three hours away so uh Interesting geography bit there. Obviously, they did not film this in Visalia. They filmed it in San Fernando. Well it took them 18 uh,
0: minutes to get there. So Exactly.
1: exactly. they're in the wrong time. That that's why it makes this whole thrift shop scene even worse. <laughs> These are all innocent people. <laughs> oh man, this is a San Fernando thrift shop. <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> I um I like the fact here in the official guide, uh written by Tara Delulo, um that <laughs> they, they, they kind of have like so they have like the written section where it's like all oh, like this is your behind the scenes you know tidbit you've got kind of your time frame so they go over every single like aspect of what's happening you've got your additional intel and like this is the additional intel about the two hundred thousand dollars and then you got research files and this is generally a little section where it's like you know uh, the presidential pardon and it will give you a real up like this is what actually is a president so it, it updates you like it's kind of a cool little thing this week's real life thing is on Vesalia Nina Myers requires a baron CTU take her to Vesalia California to speak to a contact in person the town of Vesalia is in the county seat of Tallulah County, California. With a population of more than 100,000, Vasalia is one of the largest inland cities in the state of California one of the largest in between Fresno and Bakersfield. Bakersfield. Hey, i got to go to Bakersfield. Bakersfield. Founded in 1852 by Nathaniel Vise, Vasalia is the oldest city between Stockton and Los Angeles. The town is a commercial airport with multiple daily flights, Los Angeles International. I mean, cool. I really needed to know all that. Um, the other thing I'll say, which is kind of interesting, the little behind-the-scenes write-up, um, they sort of talk about ideas about this season and that one of this season the ideas for this season was they legitimately talked about scrapping the real-time format. They were like, oh like what are we going to do for next season? Like this is you know what are we gonna how we're gonna follow this up. So they actually like talked about it and apparently Fox was very much like, yeah, we think you need to scrap the real-time format and try something different because you're not really gonna be able to do much of that moving forward. And apparently uh how Gordon said like yeah we just basically wrote a really shit script Gave it to them, and they're like, "Yeah, no, you should basically keep up the real time format." You're right. <laughs> and then they they mention here about how uh, I'll read this. Another curious aspect of the show is the lack of screen time given to Jack Bauer actually doing human things like eating, dozing, or human even things, using <laughs> human things, or even using the men's room. While there was a fleeting moment of sleep, a split second of vulnerability for Jack in season one, he's been superhuman since. Executive producer Evan Katz laughs, saying, "Jack's a hero. He doesn't eat. We tried eating during the first season." Sutherland agrees, revealing. Every year, I've eaten at least once, and Joel Sernow has cut it out. I even used the bathroom once, and he cut it out. And I've fallen asleep too in every season. I have been sitting on surveillance, and I can't have fallen asleep. He cut that out. We've tried. <laughs> <laughs> so again, Jackie's superhuman. Essentially, they're, they're saying so uh, that backs our point up.
1: Um, we have had a scene with him just pinching a turd, you know, <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> Where are you going? We could have had that in the deleted scenes, at least. Come on, that's what we really want.
0: <laughs> I, I do remember when this show like was on, and that legitimately was like one of people's biggest grates about the show. We never see them sleep. We never see them poo. We never see them like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember we had um, back in the brink days uh, when I was on radio, and we had an actress from Home and Away on the show, and uh, we we would ask the um, our famous five questions you know, favourite type of cheese, and one of the questions was, do you fold or scrunch your toilet paper? And so she's all like, oh, you know, I'm a folder. (coughs) And I choked, (laughs) like I did. You're like, fold? Come on! I fold, I shouldn't choke, that's the correct way to do it. But then I was like, her character in Row was called Bianca. And I'm like, oh, so what do you think Bianca would do? Her quick, like, one of the quickest answers, wasn't even a thought process, she's like, I don't know, we've never seen Bianca go to the toilet. And I'm like, well, (laughs) Touche! Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Can't argue with that. Um, so,
1: yeah. You Why think Jack's a
0: folder or a scruncher? Oh, he's a scruncher. He doesn't have time to fold. He, yeah, he no, no time. time for that.
1: Everybody <laughs> he, on the show is a scruncher.
0: Are you a folder or a scruncher, Colin?
1: Oh, uh, folder. Got to do it. Casper, I mean, he. Goes to the bathroom himself, but like he also tends Good to, to go up to the bath. Well, uh, he, I'm, I'm giving my reasoning. Unusual for walking boy in you've him- got. I'm, I'm giving my reasoning for walking in him out of the bathroom before anybody has <laughs> his subjects. But uh, he also Colin, tends to go. You can say up to it, the- no one
0: judges. I say it, people get suspicious. Wow.
1: Yeah, well, because there's a history there. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I uh, I will also sometimes just check on him. He's been in the bathroom too long. He's done things like flush a bar of soap down the toilet just because. <laughs> um <laughs> try to so spray funny. Cle- <laughs> he will spray cleaner on things and try to clean it and then we wonder did he spray our toothbrushes uh <laughs> he will wrap himself in the yesterday he he decided he wanted to put signs everywhere so he wrote signs oh, for everything that, that was cute bathroom mommy and i didn't get a name on my door Aww. this is gonna be my memory here she i come upstairs and i s- I see he had wrote bathroom on a piece of paper and taped it to the door. He wrote Casper on his door and taped it. The, wrote mommy on our bedroom and
0: I don't get a room. Come on. What about Not your fair. other what about your other boys? I didn't get a room either.
1: Remy and Casey? Yeah, I guess I'm sharing with them. I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, the, but I will walk up and Casper will be scrunching the toilet paper when he wipes himself. And it just bothers me. And I'm like, all right, okay, do you, do you want daddy to show you how? It's okay. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 I'll do does it again. I, um, he also I... his- <laughs> the other day, I'm like, oh, I really need to come in here more often because I just walked in and he had a scrunched up toilet paper in his hand and he was sitting on the toilet and he dumps it in the wastebasket next to him. <laughs> I'm really hoping that <laughs> it did not wipe anything, Casper.
0: <laughs> Why does the bathroom always stick this in turd-filled <laughs> paper? I remember my mum used to actually literally tell me to wipe. Uh, <laughs> I hope she would. Um, <laughs> to, <laughs> to fold. That was always a thing. One of the best Bing, answers.
1: you're 30 years old. <laughs> Start wiping.
0: <away>, <laughs> the best answer I ever got for that question on the show was, oh, whatever keeps the Vegemite on the toast. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell you a funny story. When I worked retail, um, I remember I went to the bathroom And I went into the toilet. And I don't know if we've all got these stories where you've got into the toilet and you see stuff you don't want to see. Yeah. I walked in. I was the only person in the bathroom, but somebody had some fun in that bathroom. They decided to do a shit and then for some reason get it and rub it all over the wall (laughs) and rub it all over the mirror and just rub it everywhere. There was shit everywhere. (laughs) So, like, I've had to find a cleaner. I'm like hey, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, (laughs) but the bathroom's covered in shit. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, literally (laughs) covered in shit. I'm like, oh. I'm like, I don't want your job, (laughs) right? Let's go back to work. Like, who does that? Who's like, oh, that's a good one. Let's go painting. (laughs) And that janitor was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because we can't. It I don't know. Do- him, was it um Daddy Daycare, the Eddie Murphy movie, where like I think it's like that scene when he goes into the bathroom and you hear like the psycho music, and he's like looking and he's seeing like like oh he's looking in the toilet like, Ooh, and then he starts looking up at the ceiling and on the walls, and you're like, Ooh, and you hear that. <laughs> ee, 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 ee. it's so funny.
1: I don't know wow. why we're we're telling toilet stories here. Why but, have we um, wasted
0: she... ten minutes talking about <laughs> bathroom stories?
1: I think it was last year uh, at the office. Somebody told me they're like, uh, "Yeah, so so somebody keeps taking toilet paper and they're draping it from the top of the stall door all the way down to the floor." I'm <laughs> like, "Okay, like, like I don't know why, but <laughs> maybe they just had a long piece and they didn't know where to put it." I don't know. I was like, "No, no, no you notice that They're making a curtain. Like they somebody had taken." toilet paper and draped it all the way down and then they went and right next to it another strip all the way down on the floor literally making a curtain i'm like i don't know if they think that's keeping the smell out or what they're doing but it's weird and there are only like five people working the building so you can kind of work your head around who who was that did that but do, do, you, yeah, ever people do, weird
0: awkward. do you ever find find awkward when you go to a public bathroom and you may be like you know in a cubicle you're sitting down you know men you know what you're doing and all of a sudden <laughs> somebody comes in And then they start like going to town, and it's kind of like the Austin Powers scene of like, "Hey man, grab hold of something and let it go." But then like, we'll get through this together. (laughs) You literally hear it, and then like, you've got a person who's literally going like, "Like, try not to laugh," and you're like, "This is really awkward. I need to get out of here." Um, Also, kind of say as a man, I hate urinals. Like, women don't have that issue of having to pee next to someone physically standing right next to them. That is like one of the most awkward things as a man we have to do is go to a urinal, particularly when it's busy, and it's like, oh, like I've got no choice but to stand in between two men while we all hold our penises and go to the toilet. It is like, well, I, I just, I don't know why we're talking about toilet habits right now, but yeah, um, I don't know,
1: it's weird. And it's also that awkward <laughs> thing. Stuart.
0: Can I just one more thing? Sorry, because this is only as a man you will understand this. If you and I, and I don't know if we did this when we've hung out before, but like if we go to the Museum of Human Rights, right? It's just us. And we're all saying, i got to go to the bathroom. And the other person, yeah, I've got to go to the bathroom too. We walk into the bathroom. What do we do? Do we both go to the urinal? Does one of us go to the cubicle and one of us go to the urinal? (laughs) Like, it's kind of that awkward, like, unspoken rule of, like, men. Like, I don't know what to do right now. Do I awkwardly want to stand next to this man who is my friend while we hold our usually look
1: usually look for that that buffer space between you you know we need at least one
0: urinal separation (laughs) oh is that why that was that awkward that time i stood right next to you at that like (laughs) you know we have okay seriously last story we have a (laughs) (laughs) toilet oz um there is a a a bar in hobart where the urinal is a double-sided like window so like you go into it and as you go in there and you go to pee on the urinal it's a glass window which you can see out into the street. And if you don't know that on the other side of it, there's like a, a mirror so you can't see in, it is freaky because you're like, oh my God, like, if people are going to see what I'm about to do? But like, it's funny. So, what you do is you stand on the other side of the building, you know where the mirror is, and you literally just stand there and you point and laugh and you freak people out <laughs> because they I- they think you're looking and you're going, ah, little dick. And they're like, oh no, I don't want to pee. <laughs> you're so cruel. <laughs> You know,
1: I, we have spent more time talking about this than Kim had screen time this week. That's hey, the best part about it.
0: Good job. <laughs> uh, I'm buying week. this episode. Well, uh, hold on, I wasn't,
1: I, I still wanted to oh. say one more thing. Oh, on!
0: we've gone so long on this episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, the, the whole showdown with Jack and Nina, this is another thing that we didn't have last week. Like when we had the scene where Jack went in and he's being all crazy with Nina, pinning her up against the wall, firing the gun. It's unfortunate that they felt the need to tell you Oh yeah, I'm going to do this to scare. And and you don't buy that he, they tried to create that drama last week of yes, Jack is maybe going to kill Nina. Oh, what are his intentions? Uh, but here, I believe that moment where he's mm-hmm. got the gun to his head and it's just different acting on Kiefer Sutherland's part. It, you know, obviously, last week he was just, oh, I was just playing around. I wasn't actually going to kill you. Oh, scallywag! <laughs> scallywag! <laughs> uh, but there's something so much more believable this week and, and it's just the littlest things. It's subtler. We yeah. don't need Jack being explosive, holding the gun to his head and then meanwhile he's got beads of sweat come off his head. Uh, uh. No, he's just, <laughs> he's just got it there and he looks conflicted for a second. Yeah. It's the first moment we've had. We're actually really, I I like that we brought Nina back and that Jack has to face her. But it's unfortunate that what we had in the previous two episodes, you never for a second believe that Jack's going to do anything crazy. Even after he drugs another agent, you don't believe it. It's just too over the top. It's too predictable. And here just having this one moment and also just having it make sense that of course Nina's going to try to run. You know, (laughs) why wouldn't she? Uh, It fits Nina's character. And this is the moment that I've been waiting for for three episodes. As great as, Jack's outburst was last week, you knew it was an outburst for show. Here you buy it.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Completely agree. Um, I'm buying this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. What are you doing with it, Colin?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean this will technically be my third buy of this season, but this is the first one I feel good about. <laughs> I'll just say it that way. <laughs>
0: It's only my second buy. I haven't bought an episode since the first episode. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Forgot about that. Um, And ranking it, I am ranking this as my highest season two episode, um, but only just just above the first episode. And then I looked at what was above the first episode of this season, and it was a pilot, and I don't think this is a better episode than the pilot. So I've got this at 15th overall after 31 episodes, so basically halfway point for me.
1: I've got it at 13, uh, which actually not only has it as my highest uh, season two, but it has it one spot higher than a season one episode. So another victory for the buys in season two here. I've got it just between episodes 20 and 22 of uh, I may regret that later on, (laughs) but for now, I'm pleasant low expectations. You're pleasantly surprised with uh, this week.
0: Similar to what you hear about the Oz Network. Low expectations, pleasantly (laughs) surprised. It didn't suck as much as I thought it would. The one thing I think is funny, that on IMDb, the only rankings that we can really find of all the episodes, IMDb has not ranked this episode. They have um, episode, the 12am to 1am episode of this season twice. They do not have this episode. (laughs) So um, I wonder if that's just one episode. It's one episode they're missing, or it's just literally they've got other ones where they've doubled up on this list. So... uh, I'd find that interesting to uh, look into that further. Next week, um, it is 3 pm to 4 pm. Um, we get a bit of a story around the, uh, the, the journalist guy. Um, Razor and Mason have a fight. That's always fun. Um, but we get a scene next week which I will fight for the top five. I fucking, there's just these, I've talked about it a lot, this sort of dialogue scene between Jack and Nina. It's just, oh, it's so good. And just like, Keeper Sutherland just delivers it perfectly. And I love it. I, I included it in my top 24 moments of 24 when I did that uh, video up until I think it was like the first or two, second episode of season five. That was at that point. So I love it. I absolutely love it. I don't know if you've watched that episode yet, know what I'm talking about, but um, it's a great scene.
1: Yeah, I was, I was going to ask, because not really knowing where the show goes after this, I, I, it's one of these things where I kind of have a blank spot. Okay, I know what's coming maybe in two or three weeks, but I don't know what's next. I was going to ask if this is the, the the Jack Nina one that we had. So, yeah, I'm, I'm officially looking forward to next week's episode now. Let's do it now. Let's just watch it live.
0: So, Kim's in jail. Uh, oh, she skip it. <laughs> There's a cougar um yep cool so uh, that's next week Uh do all the usual stuff at the end you'll hear that in a minute like patreon all that kind of fun stuff breaking bad loss they're happening as well uh if things are going right at the time you're listening to this matrix month is happening uh wasn't that a hilarious episode when we talked about the the red and blue pill and whoa and trinity help um all the great lines. I used to always say that line all the time. We'll talk about that in the matrix. You heard about it when we already did the matrix. The Trinity help
1: of of, of all lines to quote your Trinity help. I was like, I what just, are you doing of the Matrix?
0: I literally like I, I, we'll tell this story when we because we haven't recorded it yet, but obviously people have already listened to it yet, except for your lad undercover, you're still getting there. But um <laughs> I literally in my homework diary in like grade eight, nine, every single page I cut out a quote from the matrix and put it in every single page of my homework diary. And I don't know, Trinity, help! Was just one of these ones that I, like, always fucking would say. Like, if I needed help, I'd be like, Trinity, <laughs> help! Like, I don't know why. Uh, and then it was like, uh, dodge this. Pew, like, oh, so many random lines in The Matrix that I always fucking quote. So, how about, here's a finger, and you give me my phone call. Ah, oh, so quotable. Anyway, Matrix 1, it's great, listen to it. The fourth one looks shit, but hey, we'll... we'll... <laughs> Would be good who knows um my name is ben and i'm not just around here as window dressing oh,
1: that was my line um my name is colin and yes
0: thanks for downloading this episode of the oz network make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher google Podcasts, or by copying our rss feed into your preferred podcast provider